Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. A real warm welcome to everyone today. Uh, as we celebrate the patron saint of our parish, St. George, and in this sermon I want to talk about uh, three things, like I always do. Um, uh, I want to talk about one, who is St. George, and then two, I want to talk about uh, spiritual warfare a little bit and the lens by which we read the gospel on St. George's Day. And then three, I want to talk about what God has given us to see us through this spiritual warfare, uh, what we typically call life. You know, life is hard, life is a struggle, and that's real. Now, St. George is the patron saint of a lot of countries, including England, and a lot of churches. Interestingly enough, uh, that we weren't originally named after St. George. Uh, in 1747, we were originally the chapel of King George II. However, after 1776, that was terrible marketing. And so, uh, you know, we, we dropped King and added Saint. And so, but with St. George, you get both the man and you get a legend. So St. George the Man was most likely born in the late 3rd century to a Christian family in Cappadocia, which would be modern-day Turkey. And he was born into a military family, and he raised, went through the ranks rather quickly and made his way into what was called the Praetorian Guard. This was like the emperor's inner circle of uh, protectors. And this was all well and good, but the emperor at the time was a man by the name of Diocletian. And he enacted what was called the cult of the emperor, which meant that everybody in the military and um, basically political official had to worship him. Well, St. George uh, refused to bend the knee. And, uh, and the story goes that Diocletian and George's father were actually very good friends um, from their time in the past. And Diocletian was like, listen, if you just bend the knee, don't, you don't have to mean it, just do it so everybody else can see you, and I will give you wealth and land. And George refused. And because he had made such a slight against the emperor's offer, he had to be executed, and he was martyred, and became a great witness, uh, resulting in others converting to the faith as well. Now, St. George the Legend, this comes about 900 years later, during the Crusades. And you know, the story of George and his martyrdom made him the perfect saint to invoke as he rode off into battle to take on the Muslims. It's interesting, some Muslims actually, they record the same thing, that St. George actually joined their side. And he is the only actually, actual non-biblical saint that's revered by Muslims as well. But the legend that developed around 1100 was, and it's called the Golden Legend, and it's really interesting to read, but the story is, is that St. George was returning from battle across North Africa, and there he came to the city of Silene, where this dragon had made his way and was about to enjoy the princess for lunch. The town had given her up uh, to pacify him. And uh, as luck would have it, St. George was passing through, and uh, with his bravery... He, uh, he rescues the princess, and then he inspires all of Silene, that town, to convert to Christianity. And the king of the town gives all of his money as a response to the bravery to build churches. 
This is a great story. There's no history about it at all. But what it does is it functioned in the medieval ages as an allegory for the Christian experience and the Christian life. And so the dragon, what he does is he embodies actually your biggest fear. And I'm not talking about things that go bump in the night. I'm talking about your biggest fear, the one that would cause you to doubt God's existence. To throw in the towel and uh, take control yourself. This is what the dragon represents. And the princess actually represents the very thing that you give away out of fear. She represents the most precious thing we have as Christians, and that is our faith. Our faith in Jesus. And then, therefore, the king and the town, they represent faithlessness. They represent faithlessness. And George, because of the gospel which creates faith, he becomes the shining example of faithfulness in the face of evil and in the face of doubt. And this is, this is, this is, this is true on a profound level. Everybody talks about the root of um, sin is the root of all evil. But never forget, the root of sin is not what you do, it's unbelief. It's not believing in what God has said about you at your baptism. And this is my first point. In the church, we remember saints because their life and their death, what happens is that we get a fresh perspective on the meaning of the gospel. And today, especially through our readings, we understand as Christians, we need the gospel. The gospel is not just for non-Christians, it's for Christians as well. We need the gospel to encourage us in our faith as we face the spiritual warfare that is embedded in so much of everyday life. The epistle to the Ephesians deals a lot with spiritual warfare. It was written primarily to a Gentile congregation, and one of the key themes that runs through this epistle is how God has conquered those things which divide us. I think this is an incredibly appropriate epistle for our own day. How God has conquered those things that divide us in Jesus Christ. We're divided over everything these days. We're divided over our approach to ethnicity and culture. We're divided over our politics. We're divided over how we approach a vaccine. We're divided at work because of a misunderstanding at Zoom. I'm talking to somebody here, but uh, I'm, you know, <laughs> me. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> You know, I can go on and on. And these divisions are real. These are struggles. Yet St. Paul says in this epistle, and it really stuck out to me, if you take a look, he's quick to point out that the struggle ultimately, these are just fruits of a root. You know, we talked about that last week. The struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's already been handled. Your struggle is ultimately not against your boss. Your struggle is ultimately not against your spouse. Your struggle is not against your kids. Your struggle, especially in terms of relationships and ethnicity and class, all of this is actually the rulers. This is a struggle against the principalities and the authorities and the powers of this present dark age. Against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The struggle is real. And this is why St. Paul tells the Ephesians to stand. 
The struggle is real, but the battle is won. And this is why he tells them to stand against the wiles of the devil. In the Greek, the wiles would translate as the methods. The methods. This is why when one part of your life seems to be getting it together, another part of your life just kind of seems to crumble. Because the methods, he's always approaching from different angles. The struggle is real. The spiritual battle is real. And this is why, while it may differ from Christian to Christian, whether your struggle is large this week or today or small, what can happen with this struggle, the wiles of the devil, the methods of the devil, is, is it just kind of gnaws at you slowly. Slowly but surely, and day after day, there is always a real temptation to disengage, to leave our faith at the door and go by what we see as opposed to what God has said. Yet in the midst of it all, St. Paul calls us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. This is what it is to put on the whole armor of God. Or as Jesus said last week, this is what it is to abide in Christ. And this is my second point. Make no doubt about it. From time to time we feel like throwing in the towel on God and on Christianity because it's not working for me. Listen, it... it I've said this joke a hundred times, but it's true. My friend has a woodcut of the first Christians going into the lion's den, and down below he wrote, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You know, I mean, this is, this is the struggle. It's not about does it work for you, it's about it's true. And if it's true, then what God has said about you, that you are forgiven and that you are holy and righteous in his sight, what he has said about you is true. But it's tough when everything around you is saying God is absent. Yet in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this spiritual battle, like St. George before Diocletian, like St. Paul tells the Ephesians, you are standing strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. So what has God already given you that is enabling you to stand in the strength of his power? Well, you are wearing it. You are wearing the whole armor of God, which is Christ himself given to you. And it was given to you when you were baptized. St. Paul's illustration here, he's a great preacher, and his illustration is so powerful. But we weaken it because so often we think it is we who put the armor on. The passage is preached as something sometimes we actively do. But a Roman soldier knew, and this is the truth. This is what makes Paul's illustration so powerful. What a Roman soldier knew is that you didn't put the armor on yourself. Usually, someone had to put the armor on for you. Someone else had to put the breastplate on. Someone else had to give you your shield. Someone else had to strap your belt around you. And this is such good news. Because when you were baptized, this is such good news, because when you were baptized, you were fully equipped and made battle-ready with all of these things. Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, 
salvation, the word of God, and prayer. These are the very gifts of Christ himself put on in our baptism. And never forget this. It is not just armor from him. It is his very self given to you to enable you not to go forward and conquer anything, but just to stand because the victory is won. Like St. George before the dragon, when the spiritual battle roars in our face, God bids us to trust him and to take him at his word. The armor already given at baptism, the word you've heard preached from a broken vessel like myself that says your sins are forgiven, his word given not in a holy hand grenade like in Monty Python, but his word given in bread that says, this is my body, broken for you. And these things all help us. They all enable us to stand. Stand not only in the day-to-day -day struggles, but stand ultimately when you stare into the dark pit of death. And you have nothing else but to cling to his word. And never forget that, as you do, Jesus says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. And this is my third point. God has already given you the armor to see you through this life and into the age that is to come. And gathered around this table, covered in that armor, which is nothing less than Christ himself, stand. Stand at your work, stand at your home, stand where God has placed you, taking Christ all the way to the grave. And know for certain, as he said, if anyone eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood, I will raise them up on the last day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.